This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. After a long week of twiddling thumbs and training picks on Twitter, Manchester City returned to Premier League action this weekend with the always tricky trip to Selhurst Park for Crystal Palace away. Will Guardiola's high-flying blues soar past the Eagles in the hunt for another Premier League title or will they be heading back to the nest with nothing to show for it? It's Friday the 10th of March. I'm Ollie McCool. I'm Alex Brotherton. I'm Louis Resso. And this is the City Report Podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. So welcome to both of you and to all of our listeners. Uh, it must be said it's been a strange kind of few days for City fans. You know, we've not had a midweek match uh, for the first time in what feels like a very long time. It's definitely become the norm since uh, the World Cup was over. But um, So how have you spent your kind of last few days, Alex, with not having to worry about a midweek match? Um, yeah, been at a loss, complete loss. <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's been obviously, you know, the big Champions League games, which didn't quite live up to you know expectations I was pretty excited to to watch Bayern PSG and then it you know it was it was an interesting game wasn't it but perhaps not not the sort of classic we might have expected but um but yeah it's been strange as you say but um quite looking forward to um Palace on on Saturday or maybe not looking forward to it because it's going to be tricky isn't it but um yeah should be interesting yeah I mean I've been kind of I would say I have been at a loss because I've tried not to care too much about the Champions League because I'll just end up worrying about next week. Um, but Louis, what about you? What have you been up to this week? Uh, not too much, to be fair. I've had quite a quiet week this week for a change. Um, I've got, I'm going to Palace away, so that should be good. Uh, looking forward to that. I've never done Salas Park either, so looking forward to that one. Um, but other than that, not too much. A bit of uni here and there, but oh, stuff in my account. But yeah, it's been fairly quiet this week. Good, good luck getting to Selhurst Park because it is a bit of a nightmare for anyone. Uh, yeah, I do hope for your sake, uh, Louis, that the minibus arrives on time because I have been to Crystal Palace away and I think it was in like 2016, 2017 and, um, and City put on like free coaches as like a thank you because it was near the end of the season. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, it, 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 it basically the traffic was so horrendous and getting through South London is so bad that we arrived just before half halftime, oh. um, at which point City were already 2-0 down and I think Yaya Torre might have grabbed one back uh, but they lost 2-1 so that that was um, that was just yeah please just get there get there before the game starts 
yeah, I I did Palace away. Um, I did it. A, I did it a couple of years ago, and um, it was all right because I was coming up from Brighton, where, where I was at uni, so it was like not as bad. But um, I've heard absolute horror stories for people going to Palace away from Manchester. Filling <laughs> me with confidence, boys. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, just prepare. Just prepare for the bogey. The bogey team, isn't it? Um, but speaking of that, um, after yesterday's great episode where Amos spoke to Dan from the Crystal Palace podcast HLTCO, uh, gauging the Palace side of things, we're going to turn our attention fully to Manchester City, where we stand going into this game. Uh, tomorrow afternoon. So we'll start with you, Louis. Where do you think Man City are coming overall into this one? Do you think the extra few days will help the team in any way? You know, from the manic schedule, a couple of them have, you know, had a mini holidays. You know, Julian Alvarez was posting photos in the Alps, uh, yeah. Bernardo and Gundogan posting pictures in Milan together. Do you think those kind of extra couple of days will have given the squad a mini refresh? Yeah, I'd like to think so. I think usually with, with City as well, we have a hectic schedule and we have these days off. And obviously, Pep knows what he's doing with. with the time off and he's not too worried about that so normally when this happens we come back into it firing you'd like to think the momentum won't be lost because of that either um but no I'm, I'm pretty confident i'm a bit annoyed about the milan thing though because i got back from milan i think two days before those two were there so it's going but <laughs> i'd like to think i'm i'm fairly confident now. i think you'd like to think city have got those little results and those you know the draws to, Norris, uh, Forest and Everton and then yeah things like that you like to think that's out of the system but who knows yeah I mean it's it's kind of interesting because we all said after the Newcastle uh, game Alex you know it felt like a, a big win you know kind of definitive moment in this title race albeit that was before Arsenal's you know last kick of the game comeback uh, later that afternoon but you know Palace is rarely the easiest place to go as we've talked about a little bit and you know they're a bit of a bogey team for us at home too you know the Haaland heroics last time out in August I think that was his first hat-trick for the club you know it was when he did that three hat-tricks in what three games whatever it was so what are you what are your kind of opening thoughts with this game on the horizon yeah I mean it, it is always sort of a yeah it, they are a bogey team really aren't they um Palace away or or even in the games when City managed to win, such was the case in August. You know, what was it? They were 2 0 down, wasn't it? And then 1 4 2. So it's always quite tricky and they always they carry a threat, don't they, Palace? But um, City have always kind of struggled in recent seasons to build, build you know, attacks from defence. Um, Palace always employ quite a good sort of press against City. Um, so I think that's the main concern, just, you know, from past experiences, we know it's not going to be easy. It's not the Crystal Palace of, you know, when they first came back up to the Premier League about nine years ago or something and they were just kind of like any old sort of new team that comes up and gets turned over. Um, They are a good side and they make things difficult. Obviously, City are in much better form now than they were, um, you know, a month ago or even a few weeks ago. So I think, you know, we should be feeling a bit more confident than perhaps, you know, in January or early February. Um, But yeah, it's just going to be a case of, They've just got to get the results, haven't they? Because Arsenal are building a habit of pulling wins out of absolutely nowhere. You'd think it can't go on forever, you know. Surely they can't win the next, the last twelve games with ninety fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth minute goals. But yeah, it's not going to be an easy one. Um, I'm sure we'll go into the sort of team selection in a minute, but it'll be interesting to see how Guardiola sets his defence up because there is one player in particular who I think could be quite useful against Palace, and there's been reports that you know they could be off in the summer, so. 
Um, that'll be an interesting one, but I'm sure we'll get onto that. Yeah, that's definitely coming a little bit later in the show. Um, but just to kind of pick up on a couple of things you said there, you know, City are, I, I was just checking then, you know, we're unbeaten since that one that lost to Tottenham at the start of February. You know, so that's just over a month unbeaten. I mean, albeit with, you know, the Leipzig draw and the Forest draw and, you know, a couple of bad results in there. But, um, you know, I think there's a lot of confidence around the club at the moment, you know, and you can say, oh, you've only won three matches on the bounce. But, you know, it's been quite rare that we've actually managed that this season, uh, putting a even just a very small win streak together. Um, and, you know, Crystal Palace away is sort of the kind of games you have to win if you want to win the title. Um, but, you know, kind of leaning into, you know, certain players and where forms are at the moment, especially uh, one player I definitely wanted to talk about. Uh, uh, one of the bigger points coming out of the game from Newcastle as well. Um, something I think we've we've been speaking now on every week. This podcast has been the form of Kevin De Bruyne. Um, it sounds crazy that a player with 18 assists this season, as well as a handful of goals, is finding himself under the microscope constantly. Uh, but you know, subbed off around the 60th minute for Bernardo Silva. Um, and I think you mentioned it the other day, Alex, in our podcast chat. Um, you know how we all we all usually preface our chats about De Bruyne with well, he'll probably score a banger in a minute. Uh, but you kind of came to a, a robust defence of him. Um, what do, what are you making of De Bruyne's season, especially since the World Cup? And you know, what do you think is what do you think is going on there, really? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously everyone can see it's not been great, um, and it's, it's sort of. Yeah, it was in the, in the Newcastle game. Obviously, he's had well in previous in previous weeks he's had sort of poor performances by his stat by his like really high standards, um, and obviously he's still capable of just pulling a goal out of nowhere or pulling off a really good pass. But against Newcastle, it was sort of I'm not going to say you know it was a new low or anything you know over the top like that, but I think he played a really good ball in the build up to Foden's opener, um, and then after that it did just seem that. You know, everything was just a bit off. So, say he's still seeing the same things, he's still making the same movements that he's so good at. But, say, every time City broke forward, um, a lot of the time he, he seemed to sort of play the pass, but it wasn't quite right. It was, you know, either too far in front or, you know, not in the players, not in the recipient sort of stride so they can easily take it and move on. Um, and against Newcastle, I thought that uh, sort of him and Foden and Haaland perhaps looks look to sort of break forward a bit too quickly, perhaps when they weren't really ready, which is obviously a, a completely different conversation because a lot of City fans would like them to just do that every game and just feed Haaland as soon as he makes a run. But against a team like Newcastle, I thought that was quite a sort of risky thing for them to be doing because the, the amount of times City looked to break forward in the first half and then just lost the ball, they clearly weren't, you know, an extra pass or two wouldn't have gone amiss to sort of, you know, get set up a bit better. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I think it, I kind of feel like he should perhaps start a couple of games on the bench, um, which obviously, as you said, sounds ridiculous because he can just create something out of nothing like uh, that win at Leicester um, a couple of months ago where obviously he scored a great goal. Um, but apart from that, I wasn't really doing too much. Um so, yeah, I think, I don't know, I just think I'd like to see maybe someone like Julian Alvarez come in, perhaps, um, into the midfield, or, you know, either just Gundogan and Bernardo as the as the eights if, if Bernardo isn't pushed back into his kind of hybrid left-back role. Um, but, it, but, yeah, it is just a really tough, tough one, isn't it? Because you, 
you, you sort of if you don't start the Bruyner, it's oh well he could just do something if we're struggling. But but then again, he's not a bad sort of option to turn to on the bench, is it? Is he if, if things aren't necessarily going to plan, then you could turn to him. So I think I'd probably err on the side of maybe not starting him against Palace. Um, but yeah, it's who knows what's going on. He didn't seem particularly happy just before the World Cup. There was that interview he did with The Guardian, I think it was, um, which was quite negative. Um, so I don't know if he's just sort of having a, I don't know, not midlife crisis, but, you know, um, maybe, well, a midlife for a footballer is probably over midlife now, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I'm not, not too sure. Yeah, I mean, it has been a pretty kind of difficult, uh, you know, yeah, there was a noticeable drop off uh, since uh, the World Cup. But Louis, where do you think, you know, we'll talk about exact lineup choices for this game in particular, but where can you see De Bruyne fitting in for the rest of the season? You know, because some City fans, even some some of the other people in our group chat are saying, you know, get him out the team for for a while, keep him away for a while. Um, you know, for the likes of Alvarez or Bernardo, as you were saying, Alex. Uh, so where can you see him coming in? Because he looks a huge step away from that kind of enchanted player we saw in the early part of the season. You know, I think he wrapped up 11 of his assists in, what, two months, which is ridiculous. And we were all thinking, oh, he's going to he's gonna go and break Henri's record. He's going to smash this. He's going to do that. And then it's just kind of tailed off since, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. The, the crazy thing is with that, I think, it, it, because it's Kevin De Bruyne, he's got these such high standards. If he has a few games like this, or he has a, comes back from the World Cup like this, it's so noticeable. But you still look at his numbers like you mentioned. Then he's still got—is he on like fourteen assists now, and or some fourteen assists, four goals, or something like that? So his numbers are still very good. But I do agree against Newcastle. As soon as he came off and Bernardo came on, I mean, not just because he scored the winner, he well, the decisive goal either. It, there was a noticeable change. It was a lot. City were a lot more liquid, a lot more fluid. So. I think I'd agree against Palace. I'd probably put him on the bench as well and look at either Bernardo or Alvarez, as um, Alex mentioned as well. But I do think he's still going to be pivotal, especially in the big games and in the run-in as well because he's got the experience and he's a player for it at the end of the day. I just find it really interesting with him. I don't know. I mean, I, I've said, you know, he, I just I just wish he could like, go on holiday for two weeks and just not pick, kick, kick a ball <laughs> or, you know, do anything essentially. Just get, get some rest in his legs. Because obviously this schedule's taking out of every single player, but I think a player like him who, you know, played every game for Belgium, um, you know, even in the build up to the world in that September international break, you know, he was just he he gets overused and I say constantly, Oh, he needs just to retire from international yeah. duty and that's the best way to preserve his city career. But obviously he hasn't done that yet, and you know, what do I know? I'm just a fan on the sidelines. Um but moving on to a player slightly more in form, uh well I, I say slightly, that's completely underrating him. Um, I mean, I've been desperate to highlight Nathan Ake all season. I think he could have a crucial role to play, not just in this game, but, you know, for the rest of the season. Um, I said back in November, me, Adam me, Adam and Amos did a podcast and it was all about who's the mid-season player, mid player um, best one yet. And apart from Haaland, I said Ake. And I don't think my opinion's changed since then. I think he, apart from Haaland, he's been our most consistent, one of our best players. Uh, especially since the departure of Cancelo, who's important to the team, and especially the starting eleven has just grown. You know, it wasn't too long ago that Guardiola say, "Without Nathan, we cannot play good." So, what have you made of him in recent weeks, Alex? And you know, what do you are, are you kind of of the opinion he's vital to this team's success if there is to be any this season? Yeah, I think um, I think I fully agree with that. I mean, recent weeks, whole season, he's been really good, hasn't he? And um, I think he's. Um, 
don't think anyone really would have expected that after his first season and then last season even where he looked okay you know in appearances that he made but he was never really if you saw him in the starting 11 you wouldn't have been too confident would you um but this season yeah everyone around him's kind of been getting injured and John Stones has been in and out and Diaz was out for a while Laporte obviously has had an injury hit year um and Ake just seems to have um you know kind of taken up the mantle and been really solid when he has played I think there's been visible improvement. I think, you know, in terms of his on-the-ball ability, I think City fans were always a little bit kind of, well, he's obviously good enough on the ball, but not at the level of everyone else. Well, I think he's addressed that now. Um, he looks comfortable now when he does play as the as the left-back or as the sort of, you know, we've seen him tuck into midfield sometimes. And I'm not, you know, he's not the best doing that, but he looks a lot more comfortable than he used to. Obviously, his, his, his best position is just a left-sided centre-back, isn't it? Um, and yeah, I think Guardiola said a few times now recently that if he's playing, if City are playing a team uh, where they know they're going to have to defend, he wants Nathan Ake in there. Um, you know, him and Ruben Diaz are probably the best sort of out-and-out defenders they've got, um, I'd say. And yeah, he fully deserves the sort of the games that he's getting. And, you know, Imrit Laporte is um, sort of not, probably rumoured to not be too happy with his lack of game time recently, but and that's probably a result of Ake not really dropping out of the team, you know, the two left-footed centre-backs, but Ake totally deserves to keep his place. Um, and I think, you know, I'd be surprised if there isn't some sort of discussions about maybe a, a new contract or an extension to kind of reflect his importance because, you know, this is a guy that, what, how many months ago was it? Nine months ago? No, less than that probably was you know, looking like he was going to join Chelsea. And all of a sudden, he's now our, he's been our best defender all season. Um, and, you know, who who would we replace him with if he decided he did want to go? Because there's not really that many better centre-backs out there this season, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I'd really love to, to see him stick around. And I think he's really, he has been important. And if City are going to win anything this season, it'll be crucial to it, I'm sure. Yeah, 100%. And you know, I think there are talks of a new contract slowly in the off and I think we'll probably see that come the end of the season you know a lot of players at this time of year start to think no we'll talk at the end uh, and I really hope he gets one because I think he's been absolutely brilliant and you know he's, he's just become so important for us and obviously Louis give us your thoughts on Ake but in relation to this game specifically Alex hinted at it there um, you know we heard hearing yesterday from Dan about uh, Crystal Palace their strengths obviously our recent history with them you know how important will a pure box defender you know one of the, probably one of the best box defenders in the world actually you know when you see the, the interceptions and the blocks he makes and how he puts his body on the line how important do you think that will be in controlling you know they're more technical forwards you know Zaha, Olise, you know these kind of guys you know they've got a very kind of fluid front line Ake could be vital in that couldn't he? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I was, I was just thinking, Ake, and since Ruben Diaz has come back into the team as well, I know it's not really Ake, really, but since he's come back in, maybe he's not. I think it was um, Amos and Andrew on the podcast the other day mentioned that, yeah, maybe he's not as good on the ball or going forwards as such as a centre-back, but both of them, Diaz and Ake, out and out as defenders, it, it, it's not much better. Well, there's probably not any better options. And against Palace as well, not, not just the technical side, but they are quite... Quite an aggressive team as well, quite a physical team. So I think that's definitely going to help having two out-and-out defenders, hopefully both starting. And especially the form they're both in as well, definitely going to be useful. And hopefully prevent the potential banana skin that always is with Palace away. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the, the kind of thing, isn't it? You know, you need a big, strong defence of Palace away. Uh, but we'll wrap part one there. In part two, we'll be discussing how City could line up at Selhurst Park, and I'll be asking uh, Alex and Louis for their predictions. Welcome back for part two of our Crystal Palace preview on the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. Uh, so moving on straight away to how we think City might line up at Selhurst Park. Uh, you know, we talked briefly in part one about, uh, you know, the kind of De Bruyne, Alvarez, uh, Bernardo situation. Uh, will, how will the Belgians form come into thinking there? Um, we've hinted at the return of, you know, Almeric Laporte, John Stones, both returned to the bench uh, last weekend against Newcastle. Uh, and the game against Leipzig, you know, that's a huge game, one all in that tie. That's obviously going to have an impact on the team selection. And even with our small squad, you know, Guardiola's not uh, against chucking in a surprise here and there. So with all that in mind, um, is anything really set in stone for this one, Louis, except Edison and, ha- except Edison and Haaland? I, I wouldn't... I'd like to think Ake set in stone and Diaz as well for a game like this. But yeah, I, I mean, Rodri as well, but... Other than that, like you mentioned, it's De Bruyne could drop out. Well, it looks like he's a drop out. Bernardo could start, or Bernardo could start over Gundogan, and then um, Alvarez just in behind. I think we could see what we saw against Spurs, uh, particularly a home game, a similar lineup to that. I think that would definitely work. I do think um, Greenish and arguably Foden are both probably undroppable at the moment as well, uh, with the form they're both in. So, but. Even, <laughs> Again, with that being said, I suppose you've got Mars as well. He's hit really good form post-World Cup. So you've got such a dilemma. But I think we could see a 4-2-3-1 with, with Alvarez in behind Haaland and uh, Bernardo maybe coming in for guns on. Interesting. Um, Alex, what about you? Despite the clean sheet last weekend, I'm guessing the return of Stones and Laporte will come into your thinking somehow, even if Laporte, as we've said, is rumoured to want out in the summer. Uh, so how, how would you line up for this weekend? Um... Yeah, I think, I think, I think we'll see maybe Ake push over to the sort of left back um, spot. But well, obviously you know it's a back four. But I think we'll see Lewis start at right back. Maybe I think with a view to Leipzig um, in midweek, um, where I think Carl Walker will come back into the into the starting eleven. So I think we might see Lewis at right back. Um, He'll obviously be tucking into midfield, won't he, um, when City have the ball. So I guess it would effectively be a back three of centre-backs of Diaz, Laporte and Ake, maybe. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I think De Bruyne might drop out. Um, and I think we'll maybe see Rodri and then, you know, Bernardo and uh, Gundogan as the eights. And then I think, I don't know if this is what I think or what I hope, but I hope we just see Haaland, Grealish, uh, Foden front three because... It's just a lot of fun, isn't it? <laughs> we we're all crying out for it since. Um, well, I mean, obviously that's how we started the the six three derby win, wasn't it in uh, in October? And then we we didn't really see it too much after that. Um, and then obviously we saw it against Newcastle, and um, was a uh, it worked quite well, I thought. So yeah, I'd like to see that, but I don't know. Maybe Guardiola's got another sort of another twist up his uh, another trick up his sleeve. I mean, I think. It could happen because I think Mares will probably start against Leipzig just for that extra bit of control. So maybe this might be, you know, just to sort of keep Foden sweet, he'll start against Palace and then maybe we'll see a return of the Mares uh, Grealish sort of duo against Leipzig. But that's that's just kind of how I'm seeing it at the minute. Yeah, I think I kind of agree. I think Mares is going to start this game as well. Um, yeah, I can't 
you know, it just see um it just seems like the sort of game where, you know, you want to continue with what's working. Um and then, you know, you don't really want to mess with a winning lineup. And I think we finally cracked it almost, you know, we're getting close to it. Um I, I agree. I want to. I want to see Rico Lewis start this game. Uh, it could. It, I mean, obviously, it poses defensive challenges all, all on its kind. And you know how how confident is he stepping out constantly? You know to control someone like Azaha. Um, and you know we've seen Kyle Walker absolutely just be all over him in the past. You know to the point where Azaha switched sides midway through the game. Um, so there's all this kind of, kind of thing to keep in mind. One interesting thing is not, neither of you mentioned Calvin Phillips. I mean, not that anyone's kind of expecting it, but how damning do you think it is on him that, you know, he can't even get a start, you know, in a game that Pep would usually probably rotate in, you know, before a big Champions League game where we need a win, you know, and he's spoken all season about how we need to rest Rodri Louis. How damning do you think it is on Calvin Phillips that he can't get a start here? No, definitely. I mean, as you mentioned, Pep, in a game like this, maybe last season, season before, um, you know, when you had Rodri coming through Fernandinho, those would rotate and vice versa. But I think the issue is with Phillips at the moment, when he played against Bristol City, I think um, watching him there, he, just, he, he looks almost too scared to do anything. Like it, was, it was sideways and backwards passes constantly. Um, in a game like this, again, I know it's maybe not as key as a Leipzig game, but it's still... A tough game, and him coming into the into the fold, it almost just—it's it, it's going to be too hard. But it almost feels like there's a hole in the team, and it's just when Rodri goes, it's so so obvious. And I just don't think it, you can risk it. You know, I, I mean, I thought you'd say that, and I kind of, and I do completely agree. I think you'd, you know, if if I opened up the team news at you know half four on Saturday, and you know Calvin Phillips's name was on there. I'd probably, you know, there'd be a little part of me that shrieks inside and go, oh, no, Pep, what are you doing? Um, so it's one of those things to keep an eye on. But we'll move on. We'll start to close up uh, with predictions. So, you know, the last the last three results, which are the all the Pep and Vieira games, uh, obviously the 4-2 at the Etihad earlier this season. Uh, and then last season, the 2-0 loss at the Etihad and a 0-0 at Selhurst Park in one of the dullest games that I can remember for a long time. So we'll start with you, Alex. How do you think this game is going to go? If you want to give a score prediction, give a score prediction. But do you think City come away with the three points here or not? Yeah, I think they will. Um, does yeah, Palace haven't exactly been scoring tons of goals recently. Um, I think, and obviously, as you alluded to a moment ago, um, you know, City have looked a lot sort of a lot more fluid in their attacking play recently. So I'm going to go with a three-one win for City. Any score, any particular scorers, do you think? Uh, yeah, I reckon a Harland brace and um, yeah, Harland, Harland and Grealish. I'll go with another Grealish goal to continue in his uh, continue his decent form. Although is Foden going to get in there? Actually, three different scorers, <laughs> one for each of the for, for the for the front line boys: uh, Grealish, Foden, and Harland. Right. Okay. I'll I'll, no, I'll note that down and be sure to remind you of that if it comes true or not in the chat. Uh, Louis, what about you? How do you think this game's going to go? If you have, if you have a score prediction, give it. If you if you know who they're going to be, say so. No, to be honest, I was leading. I was thinking a two-one originally, um, but then I was just before Alex mentioned as well. I was thinking I could see a three-one. I do think we will concede. Sadly, I want to I love a clean sheet, but I think we will concede. Um, two-one, three-one. <sighs> I'll go 2-1. I'll go 2-1. I'll go a bit more cautious, but 
Um, yeah, I, I can see it being three as well. And goal scorers, I think Harlan is due a goal. I think he's definitely due a goal. So I think I can see that happening. Um, and then I don't know if Bernardo or Alvarez come into the side, I can see one of those two scoring and make it potentially making a statement for De Bruyne making way. Um, and then I've agreed. I agree if you're fighting with the other, if it's three. Well, I'm going to go for a repeat of last time, 4-2. Harlan Hattrick. Um, City, go, City go down early and everyone goes mental and <laughs> everyone starts losing their heads. And then, and then Harlan pulls it back and reminds us why he's the best at what he does. Uh, but I think that's the perfect place to wrap for today's episode. So thank, thanks to both of you. If you haven't listened to yesterday's show where Amos previewed this game, but with Dan from HLTCO to get the Palace take, go and listen to that. Uh, we'll be back on Monday for the review show. But until then, this has been the City Report podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.